Crossing now to London to BBC World Service journalist Eleanor Smallwood. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. Or good evening, I should say. Yes, it's our evening, your morning. Uh, Let's start with uh, Ukraine Independence Day. This coming Wednesday, Ukraine is six months into war with Russia, but it's also the nation's Independence Day, and it's been 31 years since it declared independence from the Soviet Union. That's a lot for the country to reflect on, Eleanor. So how will Ukrainians be marking this moment on Wednesday? Yes, indeed. Quite an extraordinary week for Ukraine, given what the country is currently going through. And the occasion has actually gained increasing importance since 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea. And that region still gets a lot of attention because to this day, the conflict is continuing there. And President Zelensky has been very open about the fact that he's hoping that it can be reunified eventually with the rest of the country. Um, Another thing that's important to note is the last three decades have really been quite a a bumpy journey for Ukraine, with uh, issues rising up around the time of independence that still remain very much central today. Uh, One of those is, of course, NATO membership, which has been a very central issue uh, since 1991, with it being on the table and then shelved, uh, depending on uh, the alignment to Moscow uh, at any one time. So yes, quite quite an amazing week that Ukraine has, and the brutal conflict conflict is ongoing, um, and it's bringing up issues that have surfaced quite a bit in the last three decades since Ukraine decided to go out and carve its own path. And with Russia's invasion obviously still underway, what what's the latest with the conflict? So a lot of focus is currently on a nuclear power plant in the southeast of the country, Zaporizhia, which is actually Europe's biggest. And over the the last few weeks, uh, both the Ukrainian side and the Russians have accused the other of shelling the facility. And there are a a lot of officials who are closely monitoring the situation for that region. Now, Uh, And so now Russia has said that it's agreed to allow UN officials in to inspect the plant. It previously didn't seem as openly willing to do that. And that will come as a huge relief to the head of the UN, Antonio Guterres, who has said that the plant should not be a target for military operations and that he was concerned about nuclear safety. And indeed, over the weekend, Britain, France, Germany and the US had a phone call where they stressed the need to avoid nuclear catastrophe. And on top of that, I think we should probably mention the annexed region of Crimea, where the situation is still tense. There are a number of explosions or reported explosions and no official verification of the cause. And over the weekend, drone strikes continued. And on Saturday, Russia said that it had shot down a Ukrainian drone that was targeting its Black Sea fleet. But uh, Kiev has neither confirmed nor denied responsibility uh, for those drone developments. Eleanor, two allies, the United States and South Korea, they're beginning their Biggest combined military training in years, and it's happening as the South faces a lot of hostility from North Korea. So why exactly are these exercises so large scale this time? So these exercises are happening for the first time in four years. And like you say, they are the biggest for some time, although we haven't got official confirmation on the precise numbers. Uh, The scale had been reduced in previous years to make space for diplomacy with North Korea when Donald Trump was trying to set up more kind of dialogue between the United States 
and and the north when relations were a bit less tense. But we should also say that COVID has also played a role, of course, due to the virus worries, things did wind down a bit. And actually computer simulations were brought in to substitute some of the, the drills. And that particular point has been brought up by some retired South Korean military officials who have said that it just wasn't adequate as a substitution and that preparedness uh, had suffered. And the two say that these drills are being brought back to a big scale to restore what they say is a commitment to the training. And they also are very much framing it as a defensive uh, set of exercises to strengthen ties. But of course, not everybody is seeing it in the same way. China, North Korea's main ally, has been very discouraging and says that it could work tensions with the North. But we should also add that, of course, China may be concerned about any potential surveillance carried out by the US while the drills are underway. Are the US and South Korea uh, seeing the threat from the North as, as increasing? I think there's definitely cause for concern over things being worse with North Korea. Nuclear negotiations have been derailing in the last few years because there was disagreement over disarmament. And since then, leader Kim Jong-un has said that he wants to bolster his nation's nuclear project. He's actually dialed up weapons testing to a much faster rate this year and said in the last few weeks that the country is, quote, fully ready for any military confrontation. But what we must remember is that, of course, North Korea's rhetoric is known for being very fiery. But nevertheless, a lot of experts will be closely monitoring this to, in the hope that things don't get too serious or escalate. And now for a, I don't think it's a flight of fancy, it's a round-the-world flight by a 17-year-old pilot. He's about to become the youngest ever person to do a solo round-the-world flight, Mac Rutherford. He's set to land in Bulgaria and finish his trip on Wednesday, and he's been travelling since March. What, what journey has he been on, Eleanor? Tell us about it. Yes, there's going to be quite a lot of excitement in Bulgaria uh, because the teenager is going to be returning to his starting point. Uh, Mac Rutherford, who was actually 16 uh, when he set out, but has since turned 17. Uh, he set out from Bulgaria five months ago in a journey that has seen some delays because of visa paperwork and various hurdles when passing through different territories. Uh, the current record holder is an 18-year-old. So despite turning a year older, he has nothing to worry about and is still on track to make history, so to speak. And he's been making the journey in a very small light aircraft that's been going low enough for him to actually enjoy some lovely views of the countries that he's flown over. And in terms of the route, he flew firstly down to Africa and then north to Oman and then headed round to the US. Incredible. What kind of plane is it? So it's a very, very small light aircraft that's actually been specifically programmed to make the, these kinds of long-term uh, journeys. It's actually uh, one that is... Uh, really preferred actually by his family his his sister used it to make a journey earlier in the year so nothing nothing too big scale and flying i believe was very much in his blood he came he comes from a family of pilots so how did he get into all of this so young Exactly. Uh, uh, Mac Rutherford's family is very closely tied to aviation. His 19-year-old sister uh, made history at the beginning of the year uh, by becoming the youngest ever woman to fly across the world solo. 
And he has been accompanying his father on flights from age eight onwards. And he's already a record holder in his own right because he was the youngest person ever to become a pilot at age 15. And he knew that he wanted to do something special with his career, but it wasn't until his sister made history earlier in the year that he decided that he wanted to do the same. That said, uh, his mother has actually spoken to the press and said that in the past she did have some reservations about him getting into this career. She thought he was a bit too young, but he managed to win her round by writing a letter laying out why he wanted to break the record. And she left him with the advice of never go if you don't feel confident for whatever reason, which I think we can agree is some pretty sound advice to be going ahead with. <laughs> yeah, you take it at that age though are you allowed to be a pilot that young guess you are well he he, he uh, it's certainly a, an unprecedented feat for him to do it but yes um he he has managed to to, to get his license at a very young age amazing and he's got a sorry what nationality is he is he british Yes, so he's uh, British-Belgian, so uh, dual nationality. So I wonder what's going to happen when he lands in Bulgaria, what they'll do, whether there's going to be celebrations. I I imagine there'll be a lot of excitement, um, of course, given COVID and all the kind of difficult things that (laughs) this part of the world has had to endure in in the last uh, few months. Um, it's, It's going to be a real cause for cheer and celebration, that's for sure. And he'll be in the Guinness Book of Records, I guess, until somebody breaks it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the, the gauntlet has been thrown for future <laughs> pilots. Amazing. Thank you very much, Eleanor. Thank you so much. Good evening. That's Eleanor Smallwood, BBC World Service journalist.